Hi, and welcome to the Sheep Show podcast dedicated to all things ovine. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. This is your podcast to learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to shepherding. Come with me as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. Welcome to season two of the Sheep Show podcast, everyone. I've taken a little break and have been growing out my lambs. And in this episode, the first episode of season two, we're going to talk about weaning those lambs. Well, the good news is we've done our calculation and I had at weaning, 150% weaning. So pretty happy with that. We didn't have any fox losses. I had a one or two die since uh, since lambing, and that often happens, just one of those things. But the lambing percentage is pretty good, so or weaning percentage is pretty good, so pretty happy with that uh, all up. So let's talk about weaning lambs. I know I've been chatting to a few people this week, and weaning is definitely on the cards for a lot of us. I actually did my weaning on Saturday, and I had Gavin Wall, who you may have heard his podcast with me about wool, come down and class my sheep. So I'll tell you a little bit about that as well. So what exactly is weaning and why do we do it? When do we do it? How do we do it? And what are some of the concerns and issues that we might have when we do it? So that's really what we're going to have a bit of an explore of in this episode. So what is weaning? Weaning is when you remove the lambs from their dams, from the mother. And it indicates a, a time when the lamb is then moving on to effectively hard feed or pasture mainly. And not any milk, no, no more milk in that lamb's life. Why do we do it? Well, lots of different reasons. Um, depending on the season, we, we might do it because effectively we don't have enough pasture enough grass to feed a lactating ewe and it actually takes an awful lot more feed to feed a lactating ewe than it does to actually feed that ewe and a growing lamb so that's really interesting to sort of look at that and I know I've been reading lots of comments on social media about people saying oh I don't wean I naturally wean and I guess in a commercial enterprise you know where we are trying to get a uh, an efficient outcome from uh, from a, a lamb operation, a red meat business, then weaning is actually really, really important. The other thing is for the lamb's health and the ewe's health, it's also really important. Why for the lamb's health? Well, we want that lamb's rumen to be fully functional. Now, the lamb has been nibbling away at grass pretty much from the first week of of age so you know they've started to sort of activate their rumen so hopefully by the time they come to weaning and we'll talk about what time that is too their rumen is fully developed but it is also good to sort of kickstart that rumen development too which we'll we'll talk about the you then how come it's so important for our use well most of us are looking forward now to our next lambing season. Can you believe it? I know, it's just around the corner. Well, joining is anyway. So, of course, we want to have that you have a little break. She deserves it. She's been working hard, you know, getting pregnant and then 
going into labor and growing those babies and feeding those babies and everything else in between. So she deserves a little bit of a hiatus. And depending on how she's looking, she might need it. (laughs) Ewes really need this time between weaning and joining to get their condition back up. Well, generally, I have to say some of mine didn't look like they'd lost any at all, but we're having a really, really good season in Victoria. So I'm sure depending on where you are, it might be a little bit of a different story, but I know mine looked pretty, pretty good. And and I guess in a good season, it's really good because some of the other decisions I've made when I've been organizing the weaning have really helped me to make those decisions, particularly in a good season. As, as Gary says, if, if you can't do it in a good season, when can you do it? And he's particularly talking about the, the you there. So that's why we do weaning. It's actually a really important stage in the you's health and the longevity of the you, and also in that lamb's health. And to be honest, at, at about, this is when we would do weaning, at about 12 weeks old, that lamb really needs to sort of be quite self-sufficient. And the you, well, the milk, the amount of milk she's producing at that stage, some of them really do have quite quite big udders still. But the quality, the, the volume of milk is much less. You know, milk peaks at about three to four weeks of age, of the lamb's age. So her milk is declining. Now, of course, you can let them wean a little bit longer, let them go a little bit longer than sort of 12 weeks, particularly in a good season because you probably have enough feed or might have enough feed to feed that lactating you and her twins or triplets. But, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of us, and I know we are too, trying to sort of conserve, conserve as much pasture as well because we don't quite know what's around the corner. We're said to be coming into a wet summer, another wet summer. We had one last year, but there's been uh, quite hot days already. And I know definitely in the northeast of Victoria, they've had some significantly hot days too. So, you know, high 30s, and we're looking at that this week as well. So we still don't know. No one really knows what what the summer will be like. And we all have to sort of bank that grass, I suppose, and try and manage it as best uh, as best we possibly can. In a bad season, and you might be having a a bad season or a challenging season, this is when you might want to think about weaning early. So you can actually start to wean, even the bottle-fed lambs. Some of them are best weaned at like, you know, four and five weeks old. Of course, pros and cons, um, you know, things like mastitis when you wean early. Mastitis in your ewes can be a significant problem. But weaning late, your lambs are little parasite hoovers. Bear that in mind, the longer you leave the weaning, the more their immunity is going to be compromised by the quantity of parasites they're going to be ingesting. Because if you think about it, they're going to be in the paddock with their moms and generally you're going to be running all your ewes, all your lambs together, obviously depending on the mob size that you've got, but we were. And each lamb is hoovering up such a high degree of worm parasites. I actually had, and this is something else you can do and you really need to be thinking about doing at weaning. I had a a fecal worm egg count done. I had one done about four weeks ago just to see how I was looking. And then I had one done a week ago. So about this time last week, sent it off to my vet and the results were absolutely stunning. Startling. My ewes had a fecal worm egg count of 200 grams, 200 worms, sorry, 200 worms per gram, which is borderline, should I drench or not? My lambs, 1500. 
So that'll just tell you the volume of worms that they were ingesting. Now, remember, these lambs have no immunity to worms at all. The older ewes, more mature ewes, will have an immunity, or you'd hope that they have a high immunity to worms, but the lambs don't. Now, I have been using the Barbavax, so I have been trying to vaccinate for, for the immunity there, but it's not Barbavax, Barber Pole season just yet anyway, even though with these hot, wet days, that we're, we've been getting hot and damp days. It probably won't be long till Barber season, Barber Pole season is around the corner with us in, in Gippsland. But ultimately, you can you still have those um, brown scour worms and stomach worms that are lurking, and definitely at fifteen hundred eggs per gram, that is a significant issue. So having that worm egg count, I was able to make a decision about what is most effective and efficient. I drenched all my lambs with a sort of multi-purpose drench. I actually used a very mild drenching dose called first drench. I did notice that my lambs had tapeworm as well, which again is not unusual. There's a lot of research out there saying that tapeworms don't cause any ill thrift, but they're still worms, you know? And again, with these lambs, you don't want to compromise their immunity at all. I have bumped up their bioworma, something else, another product I've been using quite significantly, bumped up the the availability of that for them and they are loving it. They just lap it up and also have been adding some diatomaceous earth to that leek blend for them as well. So they're getting a lot of extra boosts to help them fight off any internal parasites that they may have. So that's a little bit about what it is, why we do it, and when we do it. And of course, it can vary, as I said, season to season, pasture to pasture. So you can think about, you know, what really is going on. But there are pros and cons. That's really what you need to be aware of. Leaving them weaning late, there's, you know, the, there is a, definitely the parasites is a big con. And you've, but leaning late, you have less likelihood of your you getting mastitis because, of course, the more their you their udder is empty, the less that that um, post weaning mastitis might kick in. So how do you do weaning? Well, this is where it's really interesting. So there was actually an MLA Meat and Livestock Australia study done recently. This was actually on merino farms, but it was on the benefits of yard weaning. Now, yard weaning, what is that? We've actually done it for our calves in the past, but this is where you keep the lamb, in this case, in a confined area and you are only feeding them hard feed. So for a lot of us, that might be some sort of a a lamb pellet. Um, I've actually, I'll tell you about this in a minute, I've actually just introduced my lambs to some rolled oats, but it could be any sort of hard feed because it's like you're effectively weaning them in a in a sort of a lamb yard or sort of um, corral, if you like. So they're not on pasture. Good news for parasites, good news for worms. The other good news about yard weaning is that you are imprinting, what's called imprinting their rumen. So yes, the rumen is working in terms of digestion grass, but when you introduce them to some sort of hard feed, grain, for example, or some some form of pellet, then their rumen 
and there's little, the way that the rumen works, it just kickstarts it. And that's a really effective way, particularly of getting high volumes of growth, not just from the actual feed, the pellet or the grain, but from the fact that the rumen is stimulated really strongly. Other benefits, and the MLA study actually showed this, and, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I do weaning in a second. Other benefits to yard weaning is how quiet the lambs get. Yes, that's right. Imagine having all these teenagers where you've been able to sort of effectively sort of condition them to you. Uh, they're, they know you, they trust you, they see you every day coming with bagfuls of food and that then makes an association with them. So they're much easier to manage when they do go out on pasture or perhaps when you are mustering them or whatever it might be. Now we did this for our calves and we were able to get a premium at the sale yards for our calves that we yard weaned because the stock agent was able to, you know, promote them as very quiet, um, yard weaned, yeah, these were Angus. So really interesting to sort of think about the benefits there, both for you as a shepherd, but also for anyone you might be thinking of or any me- method you might be thinking of selling your sheep as well. And that is something we'll have another little chat about in another podcast over the next couple of weeks. I have, I've bought a few sheep myself. I've sold some sheep recently. I sold four weathers just on the weekend. And it was really interesting just to sort of reflect on that and think about how do you sell sheep? What are some good strategies and good approaches to selling sheep? And also I've seen some very poor approaches, particularly on social media um, and really sort of getting right down to sort of rock bottom price with with a commodity that's actually highly valued at the moment, which of course is is lambs, breeding ewes and, uh, and sheep meat more generally as well. So we'll talk about that in another podcast. So yard weaning is one way about how to wean. We've tried a few ways over the last couple of years. It's been very interesting and you, you do things a little bit differently. I think last year was actually one of the best years we had. We uh, went, went cold turkey. Um, we used this strategy where the lambs go back to a paddock that they are familiar with. So we have the ewes and the lambs in a paddock. We then bring them into the yards, we take away the ewes and we put the lambs back in the paddock that they were in with their mothers. So the paddock's very familiar to them. They they sort of feel very, very much at home, if you like. Now, of course, you do need to watch the parasite load. So there's pros and cons of doing that. When we did that, we put the ewes as far away on our property. And we've got quite a long rectangular property, so we can actually do this. And that way... The calling, the bleating, if you like, that happens is because of the sound distance, it's less. This particular time, that was actually, that worked really, really well. I also did the imprinting. So the lambs were in there. They had beautiful food and, uh, you know, grass, pasture and um, some supplementary feed. And effectively, they didn't even bat an eyelid. They did not bat an eyelid. On Saturday, when we weaned, I put the lambs in a big mistake here, put put the lambs in the paddock closest to the house. <laughs> so you can imagine wasn't much sleep had on Saturday night. The ewes went almost as far away as we could get them, but 
that we knew we wouldn't get them through a paddock that we don't have a laneway in yet because literally there was just too too good of a, a feed in there for them. So it, it wasn't ideal. There was definitely some more bleating, particularly because we we're right close to it and we could hear it. And I'm sure our neighbors could as well. <clears throat> But at least we didn't have any escapees. Now, that's really good. I did a little bit of a, a perimeter check because this is a paddock right on the road as well. We had the lambs. So I did a bit of a perimeter check. The other, but, but there's no bleating now. You know, a couple of days later, they are absolutely fine. So it lasts about sort of 12 to 24 hours, this sort of bleating. The other thing I've done is distract them. I've started to introduce to them some, some of the oats, as I mentioned, and already even tonight, second night giving them oats, when I was able to call them, they were able to come running. And that's amazing. Um, last night, I just put it out there and they found it themselves. I could hear them rattling around the, the feed trough and that sort of thing. And uh, this morning that it was all gone. And then tonight when I went in to give them more, they knew what was coming. And I'm only giving them a tiny little bit. So they're only probably getting it, you know, a couple of mouthfuls each with uh, with all of them. And hopefully they're not scoffing it too much. Why oats? Oats is very safe. So it's very safe from an acidosis point of view. But you still need to be careful. You know, anything like any change in the rumen, any change in their digestive system can actually have some negative consequences. And you do need to be careful with uh, with that particular thing. So I describe my method that I'm using as a bit of a hybrid method. They're not in the yard, they're out on pasture, but they are getting some hard feet. So I'm stimulating the rumen, I'm quieting them down, I'm distracting them from missing their mum. And I'm able to actually increase that growth rate. So I really want to increase that growth rate. Talking of growth rate, this is one thing that I did when I um, yeah when I was when I was separating and, and weaning on the weekend. I, I sort of did it in two stages. I had a a full day on Saturday classing the ewes and the lambs, so checking their mouth, checking pastures, checking feet. Um, just checking confirmation even. And then from that, took a few U's off to retire, aka go to the sausage factory. And uh, on Sunday, I brought the lambs in again, had another look at them myself on my own and did a full tally, a full count. On Saturday, I actually drenched the lambs as well. Uh, and on Sunday, I did at their final Barber Vax vaccination and I did a full tally. And in that full tally, I was able to record all their numbers, all their sizes. And I just went, I didn't weigh them this time, but I just went with small, average and big. And from that, I was able to do an analysis, a further analysis, which I was absolutely amazed at. I was able to identify the top performing use that I have, these are the ones that have fed two or three lambs fully to weaning. So the lambs have all survived. Plus the ewes in good condition. She's good mothering ability, easy lambing. She's, she's kept those lambs alive. She's protected them. She's fed them and the lambs are big. So these are what I would call my big lambs. Now when I say big lambs, we did weigh at birth, we did weigh at four weeks, and now they're at sort of 12 weeks-ish. And I was then also able to determine rough 
weight. Now, when I say rough weight, I didn't actually weigh them, but I looked at them, put my hands on them. And, you know, one of them that we, we had a look at was probably about 45 kilos. So I'm pretty happy with that. Not all of them were at that weight at all, but I'm thinking the major, oh, there was definitely some really small scrawny things. And this was the other thing I was able to determine that of those small scrawny things. Now, when I say small scrawny, I'm, you know, the, this is a, a lamb that maybe was born you know, three or four kilos and hasn't even, maybe he's at 11, 12 kilos. That's ridiculous. You know, that is not the sort of animal that, that really fits in with my production system. So that's an animal. First of all, I look at the mother, see what the mother is doing. Mastitis, think of mastitis, think about you, shape, teat, shape, all those sorts of things. And this really helped me make some culling decisions. So I've probably culled about... 12, 13 from my flock. I did 20 last year, just to put it in perspective. So when we had the classing, when Gavin was down, he commented, you must've gone through these really hard last year because he couldn't find too much that were really, really bad. In fact, I think for the first sort of, you know, 30 U's or something that we looked at, he was like, ah, uh, <laughs> these are all fine. And then we started to find and pull out a few more. So I was able to sort of, I suppose, assess the the lamb growth rate um, and the visuals really of that particular lamb. And then when I looked at all that data, I found, again, the you perf performance, uh, what are my top performing ewes, what are my lowest performing ewes, which are gone. And they're not going to go to anyone else. They are gone out of the system into the meat market. Um, and for me, I, I have... Um, I suppose, an avenue for that particular type of meat. So that, that it goes into diced lamb, sausages, and mince. And that either is added to customer orders from time to time, or some cost customers prefer that, want that um, type of product. I know there's a, there's a big push on koftas um, in Melbourne right now, which is just a sort of a, um, like a, lamb meatball I suppose on a stick and uh, I don't know if you've ever had them but they're pretty they're pretty good especially when you make nice homemade tatsiki with some cucumber and, and yogurt and things like that which is just amazing so um always always an option for whatever the product actually is you just need to be a bit creative with it all with my lamb mince we've been having a great um, a great uh, time here. We've got a, a family up the road who have been visiting us and got a few of our bottle-fed lambs. They've got 10 kids. And um, a few of them came over here uh, for dinner the other night and I fed them some lamb burritos and enchilada type things. And they had never had that before. And that was all with the lamb mince. So you can be quite creative with, uh, with what you do. I've made some lamb phyllos as well, little lamb phyllo parcels. I'm talking about food now, not about weaning. So I really should go back to weaning, shouldn't I? <laughs> but I guess it's just interesting because a lot of people do ask me, you know, what do I do with my old ewes? Or I'll just let her retire and things like that. Mm, probably not the best for her. And it's probably not the best for your grass. And to be honest, again, if you can just be creative about the product, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a value there. There's a value rather than just letting her die naturally. And, and particularly if they're in good health, good shape, then why not? That's something else actually I noticed. There was a couple of ewes, too good a shape, too good a health to be really putting their energy into a lamb. And again, not the most efficient animal when they're so big and not really putting energy in. and when I compared it to the size of the lambs that they had again not the sort of 
paddock ornament I'm really interested in to, to have um, in, in our cycle. As well as the performance of the ewes, top performers, underperformers, I was also able to identify my top fastest maturing rams as well. So that was amazing. This is the first year I've kept quite a, an amount of rams. I actually had, I think, about 27 or so that I hadn't uh, castrated. Um, we put a, a couple more rings on with that with Gavin as well. So ones that just didn't make the grade now at three months, I'm still able to put rings on them. They, they were um, quite quite easy to do that, particularly using the NumNuts device to, to do that. Uh, but great to see those really top rams appearing. I mean, just amazing to, to sort of see them. And and again, looking at um, one of them is a triplet and I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, how can I have you know, of all the 140-odd lambs I've got, one of them that's in the top eight of my rams is a triplet. You know, you can't pass that by. You know, that's the data that's just gold to to have and to see and, and to to look at. And, of course, we, we do know, and just in case you're you're not aware, the um, – that element of, you know, rams throwing twins, rams throwing triplet, triplets, it's more to do with the you than the ram, okay? So just bear that in mind. But the fact that, that that lamb is able to grow so fast and get a third of the milk, perhaps, that a single would get, you know, that's, that's really saying something about that one individual animal. And yes, quite possibly he might pass on that gene of fecundity to his daughters, which would be great too. But the, um, the, the amount of eggs that are produced and the amount of eggs that are fertilized are more to do with the ewe than the actual ram, if that makes sense. Um, but it's good, you know, it's always good to keep rams who are twins or triplets, you know, if if indeed they make all the other grades of your your breed type, the characteristics you're looking for, and the growth rate as well that you're really wanting to, to look for. So an amazing data that I was able to actually pull pull through and really, really loved to see that. And of course, the same in my ewe lambs as well, really looking at the growth rate um, and linking that back to culling some sheep from my flock and then uh, indeed classing my ewes and, and really seeing which ones are my top performers and I really need to sort of um, try and keep as much of their genetic material in my um, pedigree and, and breeding pedigrees as much as I possibly can. So a few things there to think about in terms of um, other things to do at weaning then would be doing your worm egg count and then thinking about your drenching regime, your drenching program. Um, if there's any tags, or there's a couple of tags that I had missed, put those in there. Just looking for anything else that might be of interest to, like I made some comments on for us, you know, things like pigment, um, horn growth, um, horn color, all that sort of thing. You know, they're really fitting in with what I want to to encourage. So all of those little comments were, were made and, and assessed um, that, the, you know, that I was looking at. And of course, even thinking of your use, giving a, giving each you an udder check. Now we felt every single udder of every single you. We looked at every single mouth of every single you and every single lamb. And, and there's nothing quite like that, you know, and uh, really, really good to see 
that uh, everyone came up uh, in the mouth department really good. Um, uh, Gavin was pretty impressed, you know, that we're having 10, 11, 12-year-olds use for the full set of dentines, you know, so really good uh, teeth. And we, a lot of us, a lot of breeders uh, of our sheep really know how good the dentines are. Different breeds have different pros and cons. Our breed has longevity, which is really good, and particularly longevity in the mouth, which is even better. So really good to to sort of see that uh, and confirm that uh, as well. One of our major challenges with with weaning is the pasture, the lush pasture. So at this time of the year, it's it's very full of water. And unfortunately, that encourages milk production. So I just checked my ewes tonight again, um, just before recording this. And um, the rudders are still very enlarged. Now, okay, that's just going to be what what it is. And, And of course, they're still full of milk. Um, but hopefully I'll keep an eye on them and really watch them because it is a really tense time with uh, with you health just straight after weaning, just making sure that that they are going to to be okay and that their, their udders will dry up and dry up in a in a safe, quick and effective uh, an effective way. So really watching that and, and paying quite a lot of attention to that uh, as well. Other concerns that you might have when it comes to weaning. Um, might be the the mobbing. You know, how do you mob up? What do you mob up? So I mobbed up my maiden ewes back in with um, my older ewes. So again, this is about just managing pasture as effectively as possible. So depending on the flock size you're 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 um, running. For us, we find a higher density of sheep in a smaller pasture area is much better for the pasture. So then that just really helps with that, um, well, parasite management, paddock management, grass management, diversity of pasture management. We find that just as effective as possible rather than running different mobs, if you can. Of course, there's going to be times when you are going to have to run different mobs. Uh, And of course, thinking of joining and choosing your rams and then selecting what ram will go with what use you you're most likely going to have to depending on the, the the amount of use you're going to have to use different pastures with different rams particularly in a stud operation you obviously want to know the the sort of parentage of uh, of all of those sheep so having different paddocks and and again we're now thinking of that we're now thinking which paddocks are we going to join which ram am i going to use with what you so really thinking about all of that uh, as as we move closer to that uh, that Valentine's Day, that's what we generally join. So Valentine's Day. Another question I often get asked is how long? How long do I need to keep my lambs separated from their mums? Well, funny enough, they will still recognise and still return to their dams, their mothers, even after two months of separation. So we made this mistake one year where we introduced the lambs in our effort to mob up too early and not a good not a good thing at all. We have to sort of almost go through weaning all over again. So you know, something to think about would be to try and maintain that separation as long as you possibly can. So to be honest, you know, for for us, particularly given we're going to be joining in, in February, you know, and through halfway through November, it's unlikely that I'll be reintroducing the lambs back into the main mob. So trying to keep them separate as much as we possibly can. You'll also find that, you know, if you've got a lamb who's a twin or a triplet, 
they, you know, when they're weaned, it's quite stressful for them. So they will tend to stay in that little sort of sibling group for, for a couple of days. And this is why if you can, moving them back to the same paddock that they left, again, there's pros and cons, particularly with that parasite load can be, can be really quite um, quite hard, but that can be a really good way to reduce the stress because it is quite a stressful time, as you can imagine, for for those particularly for the lambs, but stressful for the ewes too as well. They they really don't like it and really don't want it. In fact, I've just been also weaning kittens as well. My feral cat, who some of you will be very familiar with, um, had kittens um, about five weeks ago. And uh, today I just started to wean those little kittens too because they all have new homes as uh, as little fluffy friends. So again, I can see how stressed my poor little cat is and I'm thinking, yeah, those ewes really, um, really struggling and yeah, it definitely is, is is a bit of a challenge as well. With the mastitis in particular, you know, you, you want to keep, keep a close eye on those udders, watch for signs of uh, any, any sort of damage to the udders or, or spoiling of that udder. And this is where you need to, you know, be straight on to the vet and, and perhaps even have some antibiotics ready to go if you do need them. Because, you know, if, if that udder, if that mastitis gets set, it sets into those udders, well, it's, it's sort of see you later. And then those ewes that you obviously kept in your program because you weren't, you didn't class them out, then they're gone. Unfortunately, they really will struggle to, to recover. So really watching that, uh, watching that as well. So there you go. There is weaning in a nutshell. Uh, something to think about and good luck weaning. Enjoy weaning. Hopefully yours is quiet and hopefully it's peaceful. So great to be back with you in season two, and I look forward to taking you on the journey of the next little aspects of uh, of sheep and sheep life. You've been listening to the Sheep Show podcast with Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm. Is there a topic you would like us to cover and explore? Is there an interview you would like us to hold or an expert you'd like us to talk to? Please send us an email and we'll see what we can do to help you keep your learning going. You can email me at jill at holstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, sheep well.